Yes, Luke 19. Uh, it's on page 1053, 1053 in the Church Bibles. And we're starting at verse 1. Jesus entered, Jer I'll start again. <laughs> Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he couldn't see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be with the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today, Salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of all of our hearts be pleasing to you this morning. Amen. So, meals, it's a great topic. The challenge is really to keep focused, there's so much to say. I wonder if you've got a favorite meal. Have you? Have you got a favorite meal? Something that makes you go, hmm. Just share with your neighbor what you really like to eat. There's so much to say, isn't there? On the subject of food, lots of smiling faces. As I started to prepare this sermon to introduce the series, I did so with great enthusiasm, for in the view of my family and myself, few things can beat a good meal. But then I began to feel a bit self-conscious. I thought to myself, goodness me, people will think I don't think about anything else other than food. I'm always talking about it. But then the more I studied and the more I read, the less bothered I became about that. Because as it turns out, my family and I are in good company. The Bible tells us that Jesus came. As we've highlighted on our verse for the week in this very shy and retiring yellow notice sheet, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That's why he came. He came not to be served, but to serve, 
to give his life as a ransom for many, as we're reminded in Mark's Gospel. Elsewhere, however, that simple sentence is also finished in a different way. In chapter 7, we're told that Jesus came eating and drinking. Now, we spend a lot of time talking about why Jesus came. He did indeed come to seek and save the lost. But for the next few weeks, we'll be looking a little more closely at how he came as we explore the spring series of Meals with Jesus. You see, on one level, Jesus was an ordinary guy, and he clearly liked his food. So much so that people accused him of gluttony and drunkenness as he indulged repeatedly in meals in the company of truly undesirable people, tax collectors and sinners and the like. Before Christmas, we briefly mentioned the dietary habits of John the Baptist, who ate a very self-denying and restricted diet. Now there was a truly holy-looking chap. Didn't seem to enjoy life at all. Surely that was what being godly was really about. This is what the critics of Jesus grumbled at the time. The food of the common man in first century Palestine would not often include meat. There would be pulses and bread, sometimes with fish, usually with wine to wash it down. Actually enjoying it, making a feature of the meal, sitting down and taking time to engage with those around you didn't seem very godly at all. Surely abstinence, fasting was the way to be a better man. In the eyes of our Lord, it would appear not, I'm pleased to say. Yes, Jesus knew how to fast, how to deny himself and place his whole life at the service of his Father when the occasion demanded. But on a day-to-day basis, his rule of life involved engaging at the deepest level with those around him, and that included meals. The gospel accounts, particularly in Luke, often seem to involve a meal. One modern theologian has said, in Luke, Jesus is either going to a meal, at a meal, or coming away from a meal. He's either eating or talking about food. So clearly food is important. I wonder why do meals feature so prominently? Well, it's something we all do, said someone I was talking to this week. And they're quite right. We all eat. We must. It's in the nature of being human. Even, or perhaps I should say, especially in parts of the world where food is scarce, gathering enough food to sustain life is a focal daily activity. In the first world, where life is relatively speaking more comfortable, Those skilled in the preparation of food become like A-list celebrities with their own TV shows, and cookbooks are often bestsellers. We don't just tolerate eating, we often delight in it. Jesus came to be among us, to be one of us, and being fully human, he found himself sharing meals with people as he shared their lives. Think about the table 
around which you eat at home? How much of your family history has unfolded there? Especially in large families, it's where children learn to listen, to take turns and have good manners. We share our lives as we tell what happened at school or in the office today. We hear about the funny thing that happened in the street, or we retell the adventure that we had on the way into town. Gentle or not so gentle fun is often poked around the tea table, and humility and a sense of humor is developed. According to research, I read children that have meals with their family rather than sitting alone by the TV are more likely to succeed in life. They're healthier, they do better at school, have higher self-esteem and are less likely to develop eating disorders. So reports net mums online. In the adult world, many a relationship is cemented over a meal because somebody we eat with is likely to be a friend in the making, at the very least. Even in the world of business, to invite someone to a meal is an overture towards relationship. Deals can be struck over a meal. Brand new ideas can be explored. We commiserate with one another. We offer sympathy and advice over tea and a biscuit. Births, marriages, major life milestones, they're all celebrated over a meal where we can relax in each other's company and have conversation and enjoy good food and time spent together. In other words, mealtime in any culture, in any society, sees the unfolding of human experience in all its richness. Simon has often said that prior to ordination he wanted to learn about people and the hospitality industry offered him just that window on human nature that he was seeking. Jesus came sim not simply to observe us, but to live amongst us, to share our experience and so naturally he shared many meals. One might say it's high, it highlights his humanity, I suppose, but it cannot conceal his deity. For when we look closely, the meals of Jesus recorded in the Gospels often represent for the participants something slightly more than the intake of a few hundred calories. More than an hour or two spent in the company of diverse and interesting people, for to sit down at a meal with Jesus, whoever you were, was undoubtedly to sit down and do business with the Savior. Now, I'm not referring to a business transaction in the conventional sense, of course, nobody was selling double glazing. I'm talking about the habit of Jesus, of going straight to the heart of a person. Over a meal, he would teach and illustrate by word or action about the kingdom of God. He would explain and reveal the true meaning of eternal life. Using picture language drawn from things as mundane and accessible as the food his companions ate daily, he would reveal the secrets of scripture with a clarity never before imagined 
even by the cleverest of scholars, let alone the common people. It seems clear from the Gospels that people who sat down to a meal with Jesus often found their hearts and lives transformed. As he received hospitality from the marginalized and the unlovely, he enacted community and restored hope. In welcoming to his table sinners of every variety, he embodied grace and forgiveness, giving meaning to the hope of salvation through the simplest and most humble of everyday things, joining in a meal. People left the table, not simply with a full stomach, refreshed and energized for the day ahead, but with hearts full of hope, relieved of the burden of the guilt of sin, and certain of the promise of eternal life. One might even go so far as to say eating was for Jesus a key mission strategy. Perhaps there's something in that for us. Over the next few weeks, we'll consider one or two of these meals and see what eternal truths we can learn from them. So today, we're invited to be a fly on the wall as Jesus dines with Zacchaeus. Please do turn to it if you'd like to. Luke 19. Now, Zacchaeus is an old favorite of Sunday school classes, and you may feel as a result that you know him fairly well. Luke reveals two significant things about him. He was vertically challenged. By that, I mean he wasn't too tall. And he was very, very rich. Zacchaeus loved money so much that he had sacrificed many things to acquire it. Amongst them, his moral standing in the community. In truth, people despised him, for he was a thief of the highest order. As a chief tax collector, he unashamedly supported the occupying Roman regime, taking money on the side from his own collections and probably also taking a cut from the collections of the team under him. Consequently, his clothes would be fine, his home would be beautiful, and the food on his table would no doubt be plentiful and tasty, all at the expense of his neighbors. Zacchaeus was at the top of his professional tree, one might say, but although he had both money and a degree of power, he was not a happy man. Even mingling with the crowd on the streets was something of a risk for this tiny, despised collaborator. So great was the hatred of the Jews for men like him. Who could sink so low? But Zacchaeus, you see, was desperate. So desperate that he risked his personal safety and abandoned all sense of dignity scrambling up into a tree to try and catch a view of this wandering preacher that everyone was talking about. Successful in his work, but utterly rejected by his own people. Wealthy, but desperately unhappy. Zacchaeus engaged in what he thought was a covert operation to find out more about Jesus. Jesus 
did not make his acquaintance by mistake. He not only blew his cover up in the tree, no doubt drawing everyone's attention to him, but also shattered the illusion of self-satisfied success. Jesus could see right to the heart of Zacchaeus, and only he could cure the self-centered, hardcore that he saw there. In no time at all, Jesus is once again sitting down to eat in the company of someone totally unsuitable. The wrong sort of person for any decent man to dine with. Once again, people were grumbling about Jesus' lack of discernment. After all, what would people think? Once again, the light of salvation would dawn in the heart of an individual who sat down to dine with Jesus. Sadly, like an audience with the Queen, we don't get to hear exactly how the conversation at the table goes. I wish we could, but no. We don't even know how long he stays. We have no idea if Jesus was offered a sumptuous, lengthy banquet or whether he was given a quick snack. What we do know is that consequences were dramatically and immediately life-changing. Zacchaeus gladly invited Jesus home with him. They spent time together. They shared a meal. Such mundane things, but with a totally extraordinary outcome. The insatiable greed that had characterized Zacchaeus' life was replaced with lavish repentance. Now, Jewish society required the making of amends when a wrong was discovered. There were all sorts of very clear rules about it. Saying you were sorry was not enough. It was expected that actual restoration would occur to prove a change of heart. Zacchaeus' response to the love and forgiveness he found in Jesus is truly wholehearted. One might even say extravagant, for it goes well beyond any of the guidelines the rule book suggested for this kind of situation, and would lead to him having seriously reduced circumstances. But Zacchaeus doesn't care, because in the simple intimacy of a meal with Jesus, he has found relationship with his Savior, and that is worth more to him than any riches. The opportunities offered as we gather around a table are often blessed by God. For how, however humble the meal we share, it's a means through which we can encounter the mystery of God. The grace of God, embodied in Jesus sharing with Zacchaeus, freed him from the greed that had controlled his life. What an extraordinary turnaround. As we gather this morning around the communion table, we celebrate the central thing of our faith in a simple, symbolic meal of bread and wine. We gather together around the table to remember as a family God's love for each one of us, embodied in Jesus. 
we retell the story once again and celebrate its outcome, that we are free and forgiven, adopted sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. It is an act of worldwide community in which all who come with repentant hearts are welcome to look back and remember Christ's sacrifice of himself on the cross and to look forward to his coming again in glory. As I read this story again for today, I find myself looking at two challenges. The first is outward. It concerns other people. Namely, who will I invite to my table to share some food and be welcomed in the name of Jesus? Who might I invite to come and get to know him over a simple meal, a cup of coffee? The second is inward and really concerns me. For once again, Jesus gathers round him at his table, a bunch of the most unsuitable people, you and me, I'm afraid. And you know, he really doesn't have a care in the world what people think. Once again, over a meal, he invites you and me to spend time with him, to share with him what is in your heart, and have the light of his love and truth soften your heart and transform your life. It's a great simple sentence. Jesus came. He came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came. He came eating and drinking. He invites you again this morning to join him at his table and to seriously do business. Amen.